Sweet Green files its S1, Technomic predicts 2022, and Virtual Dining Concepts has a successful fundraise. That's all ahead on this week's Monday Minute. Monday Minute works like this. We've picked five of the biggest stories from the last week's set of news headlines, and we're going to discuss them with you. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, Carl, first one's for you. Carrefour announced a partnership with Uber this week. Tell us what that's all about. And by the way, who is Carrefour for those of us who are not from outside of the US? <laughs> They're one of the largest uh, European grocers, uh, specifically in Paris and France and that, that area. And so this is a really interesting one for me, Meredith. 15-minute um, delivery windows is what they're talking about, 15 minutes. And so they have um, a startup they've got a minority investment in called Kaju, uh, nine dark stores with about 2,000 items in their, their kind of set. And from that, they're actually getting these products to customers within 15 minutes. Now, this is great for Uber because it means they're utilizing their, their drivers more effectively, which means they can get more trips in per hour and hopefully drive more value to them and therefore also into the overall value chain. And it's not just uh, these guys that are doing it. Of course, we know about Getir with uh, the Turkish-based company uh, that have raised $550 million, uh, Gorillas that have raised a billion dollars, and of course, we know about GoPuff here in the US. So this theme of micro-fulfillment and delivering within 15 to 30 minutes is something that's going to become even more prevalent in the kind of years ahead. Um, and why does this matter for restaurants? Well, it matters because if grocers start to get their game together with regards to pre-prepared meal kits, they potentially will become a competitor to restaurants if they can't deliver within that same time horizon. Okay, our second question, and a big news story from this week, was about Sweetgreen. Uh, they released, released their S1. So uh, tell us what your thoughts and takeaways from having a flick through it. Yeah, um, so I, one of my nerdy hobbies is reading S1s. I think they're great. Uh, anyone who hasn't taken a look at it should. It's very interesting. Uh, as we talk about Sweetgreen in the book, they are an innovator across multiple fronts and they really nail a lot of the trends that we talk about um, and, and in many ways embody what a digital restaurant looks like. Um, first, I think they really understand the food is identity piece. And in part, this is around the nutritional density of their meal items, but also around the branding that they put on that. And uh, Jonathan says in the book, uh, the CEO, we made vegetables cool. Um, and I think that's very true. Uh, the next is the digital relationship with the consumer. So they have a really interesting factoid in the S1 that consumers who order on multiple digital platforms from them um, order something crazy like eight times a quarter, like just a huge number of um, repeat visits for those consumers. Um, and then finally, they really understand off-premise consumption and they do it in a very novel way, which is this outposting uh, where they bring uh, a whole bunch of uh, meal orders in bulk to a specific location, uh, which of course gets them the density that you were uh, just talking about with Uber, but also brings huge convenience to consumers who love them. So um, really hitting on multiple fronts, a lot of the things that we talk about, and I'm excited to see uh, to see them go public and see what happens. Now, they do still have to deliver on the current expectations of the consumer, um, many of whom aren't quite there to where uh, Sweet Green is leading them. And so they talk in particular in the S1 about um, 
adding some formats that might have drive-throughs. So yet another casual dining concept that will um, end up with drive-throughs on it because Americans love drive-throughs. They love that convenience uh, to be able to do the, the self-delivery, as I call it, um, of picking up an order. And I think there's also going to be a challenge for them, as well as many others, around price point. And is this something that they can truly make accessible to most Americans? All right, Carl, next one's for you. Virtual Dining Concepts just raised $20 million. Um, they are building on a really big year of momentum. So uh, what distinguishes them from other virtual brand concepts? Yeah, I'm excited for the guys. It's a Florida-based company and um, great that they've been able to raise some money to support the growth they've already seen. Uh, for those of you that don't know who they are, uh, they're the company behind Mr. Beast Burger, which I'm sure you have heard about because that is probably one of the biggest success stories when we talk about virtual brands of the last year. They do have about 11 other brands, but their main theme is the fact that they actually have celebrities endorse these brands. Uh, so people like Guy Fieri and Mariah Carey are actually the kind of main uh, kind of center, if you will, to promote those brands. And they're part of, uh, I think at Robert Earl, the restaurateur, was actually founded this company back in 2019 with Trish uh, Giordano. And the company is kind of interesting because they see the value of celebrity endorsements to those virtual brands. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you start from a virtual brand with zero brand equity, with uh, customers that just don't know who you are, you might have a fantastic product. You might be potentially focusing on a specific niche, but unless that brand can be put in front of people in a way um, that is compelling and engaging, it's really difficult to be able to drive the focus. Um, but the exciting thing about celebrities is that they've already got that presence. And that's why Mr. Beastburger, who had hundreds of millions of followers, I think, on, on YouTube, became an overnight sensation. Um, and so I'm really excited for this coming. I think it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Of course, similarly, when you have got such a strong brand following with the celebrities, you also have the kind of subway effect, right, uh, with Jared and, and that side of things. So you've got to be mindful of, of the celebrities that you incorporate into your portfolio. Now, the, the founding team also have investments in companies like um, in restaurants like Brio and Cucina Italia, Boca de Pepo, Planet Hollywood, and they're already starting to layer in some of these brands on top of their existing kitchen. So more attention, more fun things happening in the virtual restaurant world. Our fourth question um, this week is about Reef. Um, they've landed themselves in a bit of hot water in New York City. What's happened there? Yeah, so uh, Reef has had to close down a couple of kitchens because they were operating without permits. And I think this is one of the hardest things about the Reef model. I think anyone who's built a kitchen, um, as I have, knows that it's pretty hard, right? Getting the grease traps in place and the power and the gas and uh, working with the city to make sure that your uh, building meets their requirements is actually pretty difficult. You know, there's an entire industry of people who specialize in making this happen. And uh, I think Reef's promise is that they have these vessels that are really cheap to create and that they can very easily deploy and they can move around to their network of uh, parking lots. But there is a point at which you have to talk with the owner of the parking lot, you have to talk with the city, and you have to make all of those things come together. Um, and, you know, Deliveroo had the same problem in London when they first uh, deployed, where they sent things out and then the city sort of shut them down and said, you actually need to do this properly. So I'm guessing that Reef will learn the lesson and do it properly going forward, but it's probably not 
quite as easy as just, you know, deploying a kitchen into a parking lot. All right, last one. Uh, so Technomic released a forecast for the restaurant industry for 2022. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the interesting trends that they highlight in that report, Carl? Yes, it's uh, time for crystal balls as we look into uh, 2022. I think one of the main outputs, Meredith, was around the sales expectations for next year. Um, now, we recall, of course, since the pandemic, the industry has lost about $200 billion. The good news is, is that they're forecasting that we're going to surpass and get past those kind of 2019 levels again. Um, but there's a bit of a, a kind of cloud on, the, on that particular news story in the sense that a a good part of it, I think, is going to come as a result of the price inflation that we're seeing in, in the kind of space right now. So I think we can therefore infer that transactions are going to be down still. Um, I suspect that's coming from the kind of lunch occasion because of people and where they're working. And therefore, they're also flagging that the travel sector, the convention sector is also going to feel a little light, perhaps in comparison to 2019 levels. Um, they didn't just touch on that. They also touched on the things around supply chain and the fact that ingredient consolidation and menus are going to become increasingly streamlined. So in terms of being able to utilize what you have within the ingredient portfolio you have, I think we're going to find alternative preparation practices trying to drive a bit of innovation in the way in which people enjoy their food. And um, the higher food costs will continue. Uh, we've talked about that on the Monday Minute up to now. Um, so that potentially will also drive further interest in alternative proteins. Uh, things like Beyond uh, Meat and Impossible Burger, and of course, what we're seeing now in the seafood space. And then they're saying that the on-premise occasion, we're going to see some more innovation in experiential, fun, and interactive on-premise experiences. So uh, we'll see whether Build-A-Bear Workshop comes to a restaurant near you soon. Uh, and then the last thing uh, was around the fight for labor, you know, the ongoing challenge. It it's, doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. So uh, I think restaurants are going to continue to fight to find the best employees out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is it for another week's Monday Minute. We're into November. My goodness. Um, we have got uh, time for one question, actually, that we've got this week, uh, Meredith. We haven't uh, had many questions coming from our guests up to this point, but we have a question from Anthony Green, who's talking about the impact of automation and robotics on um, the labor side of things. And I was curious, do you have a view for Anthony as to how do you think automation and robotics are going to help that labor challenge? Yeah, for sure. You know, the longer a challenge goes on, the more people respond to that challenge. And the difficulty with labor in this environment is really causing the entire industry to look at alternatives uh, to human beings in the industry. So I think you see interesting things like McDonald's and Wendy's working on AI and voice recognition. You see tons of kiosks being deployed across the industry for um, touch ordering within the restaurant. Um, and you're starting to see uh, some actual robotics in the back of house. I think we talked last week about um, the wingy being used in Buffalo Wild Wings. And I think, you know, many of these things are at various states of deployment. You know, something like a kiosk has been around for years and now consumers are finally getting to the point where they're quite comfortable with it. Uh, whereas other things like robots are a little bit further behind. But the longer this challenge with labor goes on, the more I think will sharpen everyone's focus on figuring out how to use automation uh, to make the labor that is in the restaurants more efficient and effective. 
great stuff okay well thank you Anthony for your question but if any of you have a question for us anything about today's articles that we've discussed or perhaps other things on your mind feel free to put that in the comments below we look forward to getting those questions answering those uh, next week and we'll hopefully see you then thanks for listening